Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel 16, 6. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. And this is a scene of the mercy of God. As you read the entire text of Ezekiel chapter 16, one would think that the unfaithfulness of Jerusalem would, not, would deserve nothing but wrath. But the merciful God, I told you a little bit about my life and my life story this morning and situations of where I was embarrassed and where I felt like I had failed God so much. This was a group of people. This was people that were so unfaithful, but they deserved wrath, but instead... Ezekiel said, when I passed by, the Lord was saying this, and saw you kicking about in your situation. He passed by in the mess of our lives, and he said, live. Now, I'll tell you what will keep us from having revival in our church is when we can't get past our mess. Because, see, mess comes to live in all of our life. That's the way it is. We're human beings. And, and life happens. But what we do with what life happening, that is what's going to count. That's what takes, makes the difference. But here we are, and this is the judicial system of life that God has planned for us. We did not know Jesus. Our ears could not even hear his voice. Jehovah passed by the broken places of our lives. And he said to us, and he says to us tonight, he says to maybe someone here tonight that you thought all these people were up here and they were so excited about revival, but you just feel dead. Or you may feel guilty or you may, may feel shame in your life. There may be something going on in you that you want that same thing, but you're just not there right now. But Jehovah God, he passed by and he said this day, he said, I see you kicking around in your mess and my love, Jerusalem is so great for you. My love today for you, who, Mr. and Mrs., I want to tell you that I love you so much. I see you where you're at and I want you to have that which your heart so desires. I want you to live in that place where revival, where the refreshing of the Spirit of God will come into your lives and change you and turn your life around. We know that when Jesus was crucified and the devil thought that he had sealed his doom and his fate for all mankind, aren't you thankful that Jesus walked right through hell and he sealed the fate of the devil for eternity while freeing those grave clothes and he set us free for eternity. And it's not the will of God that we have to stay kicking around in our, in our messes of life. Can you imagine the stir of the people when the graves begin to pop open. Can you imagine when people on that end or over here begin to hear like, like the story that our pastor Josh talked about the woman where people were getting healed, their eyes were being opened. It began to travel all across what was a barren land at that time. But yet people found their way into her yard. People found their way over into Anna Baxter. People found their way all the way out to the Azusa 
revival. People have always found their way to the anointing of God. They will find that place. Can you imagine how it was when those graves begin to pop open and, and uh, G after Jesus was crucified? Wow, what a day that was. Matthew 27, 51 through 53 says this. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine? I can't even imagine. You know, the only thing we can imagine is an earthquake. That's the closest we can come to it. But I believe that what happened on that day, that an earthquake was a small thing because there was so much going on at, at that one time because the curtain, excuse me, of the temple was torn in two. That was something that happened uh, that will never have to happen again because that was where sin, uh, it was to show that sin no longer had a bondage on us, that Jesus had come out, uh, is coming out of the grave, and that the enemy would not prevail any longer. The tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Now that will get your attention. Can you imagine CNN? Can you imagine Fox trying to explain that one? Can you imagine when a prophet of old or one of those Holy Ghost preachers? How about Billy Graham coming back out of the grave and they knew they DNA tested him and they found out he was exactly who, who he said he was because he was walking around and look, their eyes were open. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. It was evident that on resurrection moment, morning, it was the same power. It was the same voice that came through when Ezekiel saw people in their mess and they were rolling around in their blood, so to speak. He spoke and he said, I want you to live. I don't want you to stay in this situation Jerusalem any longer that's the amazing story of our lives when we respond to the word live because see I was dying I was letting life kill me I was letting what someone else thought of me take life out of me I was letting what somebody else had done to me and to my children caused me to end up in a vegetable state where my children had to watch me in that position, where they had to wonder, our dad walked off, he didn't want us, are we going to lose our mama now? But oh, but the Spirit of God came through my room. And something rose up within my spirit and said that I shall live and not die. I will declare the wonderful works of the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at or who's done what to you. God is speaking to us and he's saying, I want my church. I want my people whole just as it was spoken a while ago. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. I'm bringing my wholeness back to a people that will listen to my voice that speaks loudly and says, I want you to live. I want you to have life. And I want you to have abundant life. How, what does abundant life 
look like? Is it prosperity? Yes, it is. But I'm not talking about just money. Because when we have prosperity of the soul, we wake up in the morning ready to face the day. Depression that hounded us every day is no longer our close companion. Wholeness means that in spite of a heaviness that would try to come up on me, I begin to say what the Word of God says. And the enemy has to flee because Jesus came out of hell, uh, bringing the, the keys of hell and death and to set me free, no longer to be in bondage and enslaved to that which the enemy has. How can I live in the situation which I have found myself? The Lord spoke to my heart and said, you got so much to live, why would you die? Why would you let somebody don't, that don't count anymore? You know, there's some things... In, we have to not let count in our life. What does Jesus think about me? What, is, what did he put in my life? What did he impart in, into me when I was just a child? What was it that my father saw in me? What was it that my father kept speaking over me? Why did he keep taking me with him to lay hands on the sick? Why did he love me when I had brought shame to my family? Why did he constantly speak words of life over me? Because Jesus had said, I shall live and not die. Jesus has said, I've got a destiny for you. No matter what's going on, that grave that you are in today, that grave that's trying to hold you back, it's time for us to come out because we are raised to life in Jesus Christ. Remember Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus was about to, going about and he was arresting the saints of the living God. What a wicked man. What a hateful man. All because of religion. He was doing the religious things. And all, I don't know, you know, religion, there are, you know, we have to, your, your pastors, these, these men of God, they can explain religion much better to you. Not all religion is bad. It's not saying that because we are Christians and yeah, we may be labeled as a religious organization. That's not so bad in itself. But it gets bad when we make a religion out of everything that you have to do in your life. We have to do it religiously or we're no longer a child of God. We're no longer saved. We're no longer counted for because Jesus did away for that. I don't want a form of godliness. I don't want to, to not have the power of God in my life. I want his strength. I want his power. He was doing a great work for his cause, but he was so wrong. And then we know the story of how a voice from heaven and a light brighter than anything we can't imagine. We just can't possibly understand how blind, blinding it was to him. And, but it was enough that Paul instantly, instantly knew that a higher power had come on the scene instantly and that's why you know why we say God we want a revival why we say God we want you to do some work in us we want your presence because we've we've sensed you or maybe we haven't sensed you but we know you're out there we know there's more to you than what we've heard what we've experienced or what we can even think here comes something long saw in Saul's life that was so greater than, than what he could have possibly understood and it was something that caused him immediately to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And do you know that 
flesh, people, people that creation is all looking for that something to tell them, what do you want me to do? Because there's those inner voices that keep trying to make themselves gods and it's not, you know, flesh is not satisfying us. Flesh is not doing what we think it should do for us. And so we end up restless. We end up not having our cups full. We end up being in one situation, one mess of life, into another mess of life. But here it was instantly. Saul called out and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I believe that when we totally begin to cry out to God, and when sinners are truly saved, it's because of what God's mercy and God's love does. Because you know God's mercy and love was so on Saul. Because what he experienced could have killed him. But all the mercy of God was right there on that road that day. The mercy of God and the grace of God. Oh, he might have been blind, but it could have been much worse. Because God is more powerful than what hit him that day. But it was something that was so amazing that we preach about it today. It was so amazing that people that knew the Saul before, they didn't know the Saul now. They didn't know who this man was. They couldn't trust him at all because he was working for the religious rulers. He, he, he was, you know, he was such an ambassador. He believed in what he was doing and he had a radical change. That's what God's wanting to do to our lives. He is wanting to bring radical changes, not just us saying we want to change, but meaning we want to change, meaning that we're willing to lay down the life that we have, that we are willing to die to ourselves. We are willing to say, Lord, yes, whatever you want me to do, I am willing to do it. And we can look in Paul's life and we can say what a debtor we are to grace that was shown. We don't think about the grace side of what happened to Paul that day very often, do we? But there was grace. Oh, God is so full of mercy and grace. But we know it changed his life. But we're living in a time, a pivotal time of life. And you and I, we're history makers. It doesn't matter from the youngest to the oldest oldest we're history makers God's doing things in life that you would never think I mean I'm talking about a, when I was a little girl I, I was one of those that you know we like to play church because we went to church so you know the only thing we knew to do was to have play church you know the brother would preach and and my cousin and I would fall out in the spirit you know he'd lay hands on us but but there was just something there you know that that was that was so made a hunger in our lives but we're history makers. That little girl that, that played church, she would never have dreamed because my vision was big, but it was not as big as God's vision. God's vision for you, you is much bigger than what you think. But we've got to do, we've got to start with something. We've got to start with whatever it is that God puts in our hands. Your, your trip of evangelism gets, is when you get up in the morning and the first thing 
that you do and you say, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do today? When you go through a drive through there's someone in there that their life matters. They are in a mess. They may be rolling around in the mess of life, and they need you to tell them that God loves them. They need you to come through the next day with a smile on your face. They need you to tell them that they look good today. You need to them. They're doing a good job. God is sending us out. He wants us to be history makers in our lives. Because, see, God will use some things that's happening in your lives for generations to come. For generations to come. That if Jesus doesn't come back and we're all, you know, my goodness, it's been prophesied forever and Jesus may just come back tomorrow, wouldn't that be a great thing? So it wouldn't really matter what the prophecies were, would it? But as long as we're still here and there's another 10 years and another 15 and another 20, God help us, but it may be another 50, I don't know. But what you're doing, you're a history maker and what you're doing, it counts for something. And there are those that are going to talk about what, what has happened in your life? Are you a testimony enough? They're going to talk about you or else they're going to totally forget about you. And if you had, you know, you need to make enough noise that somebody knows you're here. You need to make enough and not grumbling and complaining because if you're doing that, they're going to remember you. That They'll remember that about you that may be your epitaph, epitaph on, your, on your tombstone. I don't know. She grumbled a lot. That may be all they can think about you. Or I believe there's going to be those that have said their lives a man or their lives a woman that had the power of God upon their life. And everywhere they went, they had to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. They presented it the best they could. They may not have been eloquent in their words. They may not have been able to get to everybody. But everybody that they come in contact with, they let the joy and the love of God come out to the, the generation around them. We are history makers. There are those times that we hear about, and you've heard this about watershed moments. And what our two pastor brothers talked about, the two revivals, those were watershed moments. And we've seen different things in our lives that were monumental. But I believe that He's going to do it again. The original use of a watershed, the word itself describes a ridge of land separating waters that then flow into two different body, bodies. A watershed moment might mark the change in the course of history. We're history makers. Can we do something? See, I have to believe. Yeah, and you've got to know my heart. And if you don't know my because you may not know me, so you don't know my heart. So talk to you. Somebody that knows my heart. But I believe that in 2003, when I was allowed to preach in a leadership conference, and women had never preached in a conference before. And then they asked me back to start ladies' conferences. They'd never had ladies' conferences before. Those were watershed moments. And they used a little girl of imperfections. Somebody that had a lot of failings. Somebody that had rolled around in her mess. But he walked by. <laughs> and he says, darling, live. 
I got purpose beyond what some man or somebody thinks about you. And I've got your children. Don't you worry about it. Your children are going to be okay. Watershed moments. I believe just as Danny's mother in that convention, it turned the course around and it needs to tide, needs to turn again. Because see, God cares about his daughters. He loves them. And thank God for the men of God that understand and embrace and love us. Because you know what? I have no problem whatsoever with my husband being the head of my family because it's a huge responsibility upon his shoulders to cover me, to pray for me. And you know what he does? He pushes me out and he says, darling, you go preach the word of God. He's so confident in who he is. You're the only ones that fight against it is those that are not confident in who they are. But watershed moments, what's a watershed moment maybe in your life that changed the course of somebody else's life? See, we've got to understand we're history makers. You're history makers here as a church, but as a family. What is it that made a difference? You know, one of the watershed moments of my life was when my daddy, he didn't get saved till he was older in life. And we got saved gloriously saved a woman was preaching that's why he had no problem telling his daughter God's got a call on your life he had no problem with that but a watershed moment was when he got saved and got glorious filled with the Holy Ghost see my my daddy everywhere he went he wanted to tell people they needed the Holy Ghost he needed he tell them you need that power he said don't deny the power I mean everywhere he go he was not ashamed to tell people if you're saved you need the Holy Ghost. You need the strength and the power of God to raise up the dead because he had watched uh, Gorders disappear right in front of our eyes. He had watched so many things. I could go through a list of things that I saw as a child. But watershed moments when he got saved and he went from darkness into life and now his children are, are saved. All of his children were saved. One of his sons was not saved before he died. But he would tell me, he'd say, darling, Paul was called to be a preacher. But, you know, Paul might have been the one that was called, but God went ahead and said, darling, you go, you're next. And I, I, you know, I get to preach the gospel. But Paul got saved within a year after my daddy died. And Paul is so full of the Holy Ghost and power of God. It's amazing. My God, my daddy, I believe he looks over the porters of heaven and he smiles and he says, Oh God, your gospel worked because I was lost. And when I got found, then my, led my daddy to the Lord. His, my grandpa got saved. And then the, it goes on and on. Those are watershed moments. Your life matters. Don't continue to roll around in the mess that's going on in your life. We are not created to aimlessly wander through life. And it's a defining hour for us. I so believe it as God's people. It's such a defining hour. And don't think you're too old, too late. <laughs> I get God's got such a sense of humor. He's got an awesome sense of humor. In 2000, I had a stroke, and the only effect that it long that the long-term effect that it's had is I have a hard time keeping my words and putting them all together. You may have noticed that I I have a little problem with that. I do that. I stammer and I stutter. And my family they know that they understand and they see because they knew how I was. 
and the fluid, fluent, the fluency isn't there like it used to be. But God has opened more doors the older I get. So see, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are because if you'll say yes and you will allow that watershed moment to come into your life, that's when revival comes to your house and comes to your church. Every family can have a revival in it. How many times a week do you get up and pray with your husband and your wife? How many times do you go to sleep and you pray with each other? How many times throughout the day do you pray? And there's a lot of Christians that say, I pray, but they never pray. They don't even talk to God. I don't care whether you get on your knees or you don't, but I think that we all have to have some quiet time. I do. I, I'm a much better wife when I get in my closet. I'm telling you I'm nicer to Pastor Daryl, and he'll tell you yes. And he's definitely nicer to me when he gets in his. Yes. You want to bring sweetness back to your house? Find your closet. Find that time where it says, God, I'm in such a mess with my actions, my attitudes. I've messed this up and I've messed that up. I've alienated my children. I've alienated my wife. I've alienated people that cared about me because of my pride. But God wants to bring to a house that will humble itself because we know that to be true. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says. And we hear it over and over that sometimes it's like another cliche. But it doesn't change. This word did not change just because it's an Old Testament. Because if you'll get in the New Testament, you'll learn that it talks to us about praying and praying without ceasing. But in Second Chronicles 7 14, Then if my people will humble themselves and pray, if they will search for me, are we searching for God in this house? If you've been, if you're in a mess, well, did you get to the place that maybe you weren't searching for God? I'm telling you what, sometimes I don't search as much and I find more mess on my doorstep. But when we search for him and we humble ourselves, we turn from our wicked ways. He said, then I will hear you and then I will forgive your sins and heal your land. Ah, oh, Jesus came to earth as a tipping point to bring that watershed moment to every one of us, to bring about change. Because the cause of Christ can bring a generation, can change it, and change the generation to come. And I believe that what's happening right now, our children at school are going to start talking about it. See, that's what we need. We need, that, we need the presence of God to come in where that the kids, they have such a good time on Sunday night. On Wednesday night, they go to school and they talk to their friends and they said, oh my goodness, did you get touched by God last night? Did you fall out in the Spirit? Uh, when, when my Sunday school teacher, Sister Sarah, that's our children's pastor, laid her hands on me, and I, I don't know what happened, but the power of God, I felt something I've never felt before. I'm telling you what, when those things start happening, you know revival has hit your city. You, that's when we know that there has been something that has happened. And that's what we're after when we don't have any pride anymore. And in the high schools, the, our students can go in boldly and they can talk amongst each other and somebody else will listen. They'll say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That sounds strange and weird. And you know what? These kids are into strange and weird because they're looking for something. And I'm not saying we have to be strange and weird you know, just be, but they're going to think it's strange and weird. But when we've been in the presence of God, it's the most normal thing in the world. Oh my goodness, it's at home. Why are people afraid of going home? 
Why are people afraid of being in a service where the anointing of God flows because see when that happens we are at home and that's when our teenagers that's when they're going to come alive they're going to quit rolling around in their, me in their messes and I believe that the spirit of God is walking up and down 7th street in, in, in Kalina, Kansas and all the way into Joplin and he's saying hey, come on it's time for, for all these messes all of these situations he says I am going to redeem you. My mercy and my grace. I have heard the cry of my people. There's been some people that have been on their knees. They've been praying on Wednesday nights. They've been praying on Monday mornings. They've been praying and they've been saying, God, you're what we need. What you got is what we got to have. And you know what? God says, oh, yeah, that's what I want to hear from my people. In closing. I'm not preaching very long because I just feel like with what God said this morning, with what God said tonight, maybe we just need to say what can we do to position ourselves to receive what God really wants to do. Because see, Pastor and Daryl and I are a little bit older than these two pastors. Pastor Daryl, 43 years today at Solid Rock. It's a long time for a, for a pastor to be at one church. It is a legacy. But we have many times we said, God, do you want us to do something different? Do you want us to go somewhere else? Even though you gave us a heart for this place, you know we will follow you. But yet God never said anything. So we have ridden out many storms. And we've stayed where he planted us. But there's a hunger inside that wants to see our church and this church. We want to see our people present sent his presence in a way that it spills over on Monday morning. And I know that we've lived through this time where it's been good for us to walk things out by faith. It's been good for us to learn how to walk in the fruit of the Spirit because too many mean Christians are out there running around. So it's been good for the church to practice. Keep on practicing. Don't bring shame to the kingdom of God that's within you. The righteousness of God that's in you. That should come out everywhere you go. So it's been good for us. And we've got to keep on doing that. But there's something stirring that's saying, God, come a little closer because we're stretching. We're humbling. We're positioning ourselves for another watershed moment that's bringing a division that's causing the gospel of Jesus Christ to prevail. Our government, it looks like it's in a mess, but I have a feeling 
that God's going to have the last word. I have a feeling we're going to have some watershed moments that are going to be talked about. Jesus doesn't come. It's going to be the thing, maybe the only thing that holds people together in years to come when things get dark again. But they won't get dark until after a mighty move and a mighty revival of God's people. Mm. We've all sold for a long time. Jesus said, in three days I will rise again. There was resurrection that came forth. Great, beautiful, wonderful happening that only I can imagine and can't possibly imagine it well enough. Because when he said, three days I will rise again, those that heard him couldn't even comprehend what in the world was he talking about. And then after it happened, they didn't know how to tell us about it. They did their very best. When they told the story, the Word of God it lays it out, but our human mind is so hard for us. But in this building, God is wanting to bring resurrection because if there's resurrection of dead desires and dead dreams that begin to rise to the surface tonight, gets in agreement with the prophetic words that have gone out in this house today, gets in agreement. Can you really imagine if you will allow God to resurrect them? I saw a long time before I ever went to Africa, I saw those women and men out there and I was standing on a stage in front of them. A long time. And after I saw them, it was as if all my dreams died. Because I thought it would happen one way. It didn't happen in that way at all. But then I was sitting many years later in 1989, 1990, Daisy Osborne preaching at a missions conference. Feisty little woman. Didn't she she would wrestle with alligators to do what God called her to do, and she goes, Africa was her heart. And she stood up there and she began to preach. And she began to tell about what God was doing in women. Began to preach the Word of God in that place. It was uh, Pastor John Osteen at that time was full of missionaries and people from, uh, they had uh, nationals come in. It was such a big conference. All the, the flags and all the beauty. And I was sitting way back uh, about over halfway in that congregation. And she began to speak. And I began to weep. And I said, God, if you can do it for Daisy Osborne, you can do it for Darlene Rose. I did. That's exactly what I said. Now maybe God didn't do it like that, but it woke, awoke a dream. And see, if God can use this book tour to awaken dreams in men and women's hearts. I told you earlier I had no desire to write a book about my life because my life was no different than many other lives. But God said, I'll give you a platform. You just say yes. And I'll pay as you go. 
<laughs> He's done that. But He won't do it just for me. And just as Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, just as He passed by, God passed by. Oh, He passed by and He looked at our messes and our failures and our thinking, God isn't going to use me now. I'm too old or I messed up too much. I've messed up my life. My goodness, I've been married two times. I've been married three. I've been married four. I haven't done right by my children. I've been a hateful wife. I had an abortion. I've been raped. Why would God want to use me? You may be sitting there thinking I'm that person. And maybe this isn't you tonight, but you take this message and you go preach it to someone. And you tell them that God wants to use them, that God's got purpose for their lives. It's a great purpose. Thank you, Father. In mining for gold, how much dirt has to be removed to get one ounce of gold? <laughs> you may say, gosh, there's so much dirt in my life. But that ounce of gold is worth a lot. And whatever it takes, he'll do it. Sean, would you come? But I have found that the altar in my life is what saves my life. And it'll save your life. When we get too proud to pray or take time to talk to God, then we're living our own life. Remember how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The enemy came to torment Jesus. And Jesus just spoke the word. Satan came back with more hoopla, lies. He had a great imagination, didn't he? I found out Satan had a really good imagination. Because, see, he used fear on me for years. He had a wonderful imagination because he used everything he could to my mind. He played with my mind because as a child, my mother played with my mind. As a young married woman, my mind was played with till I believed that I could only be what somebody allowed me to be. And my insecurities caused me to become friends with fear. And all the while loving God. you got to understand, I loved God. And I mean that, I love God. He was everything that I had. He was all I had. He was my hope. He was my Redeemer. I couldn't have made it. I couldn't have survived without Him. I could never forgive myself when I found out how bad it was for my children. Because I lived in such a fog of deceit and fear. <laughs> that when I finally come to my sense of shame, shame became another suffocating thing that I lived with. 
But one day, God just gave me a true picture of an enemy that had been coming and knocking on my door with the same package over and over again. And depression, I was so depressed. I was on so many pills when I was younger. So depressed because my mama was so depressed. She was so sick. She was a sick woman. The doctor said to me when I had a nervous breakdown, I didn't have any insurance, couldn't get in a stress unit. He said, darling, he said, I don't know what to do with you other than to send you to Farmington. At that time, it was the state mental hospital. He said, darling, that's all I know to do with you. And then he profoundly said, but if you don't get better, somebody else is going to raise your kids. And I don't know, but Holy Ghost rose up within me and said over my dead body, over hell, you will not triumph because you cannot. I will raise those kids if you'll just heal me. And it wasn't just that moment that I was healed. I had to walk out of it, but every step that I took, he went with me. Until I saw fear for what fear was, and it was nothing but an imp in the corner that was trembling, scared to death, that I wasn't going to receive that fear that day, that I wasn't going to be depressed that day. And he had to report back to, to an uh, to whomever he reports to, because I'm sure he didn't ever get to, to Satan himself. But there is an imp that comes to try to torment you and get you to take it and keep you off your destiny. But that little scaredy cat girl, she can go in these countries. Read the book. Read the book. It'll tell you a little bit. But I could never tell it. Could never tell it all. How faithful God is to His people. So faithful. But He rose again. And you and I have to use our mind to change your mind. Someone else can't change your mind for you. You can talk to that son and daughter until you're blue in the face. But they have to use their mind to change their mind, just like you do. But we can pray for them and we won't give up.